Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Well, it's good to see folks here this morning. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to be the only one here. You know, I, I let it slip last week that I was preaching a series on repentance, and I, uh, uh, that I'm calling alignment. That sounds better than repentance, right? I was going to do that, but thought that sounded a little better. And I, I gather that you're here today or you're tuning in because either you forgot <laughs> or you maybe believed me or at least were willing to give me a chance when I said that the way we're going to approach this is through <clears throat> the, the positive lens that I think it really deserves. That this is not about a you know turn or burn approach uh, to uh, to repentance, but really it's about realigning our lives. We see God's will for us, and we want to we want to be in alignment with God's will for us, and so that really is what repentance is is all about. It's a very good thing when we do that. Now to get started, uh, we've got some options. Uh, one of which is to just make a list of behaviors that need to change. Uh, you know, we could do it like a top 10 list of, you know, uh, most common uh, areas in which people need to repent. Um, or I could just send you a list I've made for each of you. That, you know, we might, I'll, you'll get that in the email. I'll be looking for that. Uh, that's one way, is to really focus almost kind of a Lenten approach. Uh, you know, at Lent, you, you give up certain things or you start doing certain things. And so that, that is one way that we could approach this, but that's not what we're going to do. And I'll, I'll tell you why. And this is kind of a fundamental assertion for this whole series. In other words, this is going to be on the test, okay? This, this is why we're not going to start with a list of behaviors. It is because a change of behavior is not the meaning of repentance. It is the result. And I think that's so important. We, we tend to think that, Okay, we're going to talk about repentance. We're going to make that list. We're going to put it you know, on our mirror. Here's something I've got to change. And it's all kind of behavior focused. And that's not what uh, repentance is. It is not a change of behavior. Um, it, that, or rather, that is the, not the meaning of repentance. It is the result of repentance. It is what repentance produces. And the more a biblical approach, kind of turning this around, is to say this. That repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. That's what repentance really is. It is a change on the inside that produces something. It's, it's, it really, there, there is a change of behavior, but it's the, the sequence, I think, is, is so important here. Uh, and that's what repentance means, not to change behavior, but it is something else going on much deeper. In fact, that's, that's in the very definition of the word. Uh, you know, I've mentioned sometimes that the, the New Testament was written in Greek. Uh, and so there are occasions where looking at a kind of a Greek word uh, sheds some light on something that's been translated into to English. And in, in Greek, the word for repent and for repentance is a compound word. And the root word the, is a noun that means mind. It's, it's, it's mind. And Attached to that is the prefix that means uh, different or another or a change. 
And so the word repentance literally means a change of mind. It's a change of mind. Now, it's not just uh, kind of thinking some new thoughts, but it runs much deeper than that. It really is more of a change of mindset. Um, it is, it is uh, a, a new orientation. It is a new direction that we might be choosing. And this new orientation, this new mindset is so dynamic and so forceful <clears throat> that it expresses itself. And it expresses itself in all kinds of new behavior and other new ways of thinking. And so I really hope we'll kind of hold on to that as we, as we go through this series. We're not talking about making a list of things that need to change. We're talking about something going on inside us that will produce whatever changes we need to make in order to better align ourselves with God's will for us. I, I love how you see this, this, this distinction in a passage in Luke chapter 3. Uh, John the Baptist is there and he's kind of starting his ministry and the Pharisees and religious leaders are coming to him and, and they're wanting to be baptized because uh, that's kind of the thing to do. A lot of people are doing that. And so John says, wait a minute. <laughs> you, you've got this all backwards here. He says, you're, you're not, you know, baptism is not the real issue for you because these were, these were men who, as a whole, had a reputation for really being pretty ungodly. They were supposed to be the religious leaders, but, but they, were, they were doing a lot of things that were wrong and they kind of approached God in a, in a, a wrong way. And so John told them, he said, baptism is not really the issue for you. Instead, what he told them in chapter 3, verse 8 is, here's what you need to do. You need to prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Here's, here's the change of mind and the actions, what you're going to do, you're going to prove that that is going to prove that there is something inside you that is different now. Uh, and that you are, you're repenting, you're walking away from your sins, you've turned to God, and you're going to prove that. So the, the, uh, the outward behavior, rather than being the starting point, was really what he wanted to see was that's going to be evidence that something has gone on inside you. And as I said, that's just a really important sequence that we, that we want to uh, kind of keep in mind as we go through this series. I really love how you see this distinction in a passage that's you know, probably um, the, 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 the most dominant, uh, the most extensive discussion on repentance in the New Testament, and that's in 2 Corinthians 7. And we're actually going to spend a, a couple of weeks talking about 2 Corinthians 7. Um, briefly, here's, here's what's going on uh, leading up to this, this passage. <clears throat> Evidently, there are some distractors in the church at Corinth uh, who have, are trying to undermine Paul and uh, lead the church away from him. There's, they don't really accept what he's saying and what he's teaching, uh, and so they're, they're trying to undercut him because he's off somewhere else. He's been to Corinth, but he's off somewhere else, and so they're, they're kind of usurping his authority. And so Paul made a visit to deal with that, and he describes that uh, in a letter that he writes later as a very painful visit. I guess they really, you know, this, all this has had to, they had to come to terms with this. And then after that visit, he went away, and rather than go back, he wrote a letter uh, that he describes as a severe letter. I mean, you know, this is not, not over yet. There's, there's still some issues, 
And so he's been there in person, and now he's following up with a letter. And, uh, and after that letter, he now has gone to Macedonia, and Titus has come to visit Paul. Uh, and Titus has been in Corinth. And so Titus comes to Paul in Macedonia and tells Paul the latest on what's going on in Corinth. And Paul addresses that, and that's where we pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. In verse 5, he says, When we arrived in Macedonia, where he's at writing this letter, so there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fears on the inside. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. So evidently, Titus has some good news, something that Paul is going to find encouraging. His presence was a joy, but so was the news he brought of the encouragement he, seized, uh, he received from you. When he told us how much you long to see me and how sorry you are for what happened and how loyal you are to me, Paul says, I was just filled with joy. He's gotten a, a really encouraging report from Titus about how things are different now in Corinth than they were when he went to address this problem. He says, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know how painful it was to you for a little while. Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. And remember, if we're, if we're reading this literally in Greek, what he is saying is the pain caused you to change your mind and it caused you to change your ways. There was an outward behavior uh, that came as a result of them. Now they're seeing things differently uh, and they, they, they understand things differently. They, there's been a change of mind, mindset that has led to a change of behavior. And he gets kind of specific about that. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you were not harmed by us in any way. I don't know what that harm would have been if they hadn't resolved this, but uh, Paul's saying he's getting the switch, or, oh, I'm sorry, you can't say that anymore. But when I was a kid, I'd say he was getting the switch. Um, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's something going on internally that's leading us in this new direction. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Worldly sorrow is more that, well, I'm sorry it happened, or I'm sorry that I got caught, uh, but the focus is more on how I could not get caught the next time. More it is, more than it is really on, well, I've got to do things differently now. Uh, so that, that, that's no good, that, that leads to spiritual death. By contrast, Paul says, just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. Such earnestness to clear yourselves, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, and such a readiness to punish wrong. You showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. So you, you, I mean, this is a great example of what repentance is all about. Something just wasn't right. They were out of alignment, not just with Paul, but they were out of alignment with God. And so Paul addressed that, and he came down pretty hard on it. And evidently, there was a major battle that had to be fought, but eventually there was this internal change. They knew that they were in the wrong, that they, they had done some things wrong, and it led to a change of behavior. Where they're, we're gonna, whatever it takes now, we're going to make things right. 
In other words, we're going to, we're going to realign ourselves with the will of God, an internal change that led to uh, external behavior and action. Now, what's I think important to see about this is that that, that external change is really hard to maintain without the internal change. Uh, the behavior is hard to sustain, and new behavior is hard to sustain if there's not some kind of, of inward dynamic at work that's, that's prompting that. And you know that. You know that you know, there are things you've tried to do for a while because, well, that's what I'm supposed to do, or you know, I was kind of being guilted into it, or whatever it might be, and it just didn't take. Just didn't take. It didn't, you, didn't, you didn't stay with that uh, because there had been nothing that had, had changed on the inside. Uh, so there has to be that repentance, that change of mind before there's a change of behavior. Now, that's, that's kind of good, but it's challenging, isn't it? Because what we're talking about here is changing our minds. How easy does that come for you? Uh, better yet, let me ask your spouse how easy it comes for you or your siblings, how easy it comes from you. It's a tough, tough thing to change our minds about something. Um, and you know that's why we have this little saying, uh, don't confuse me with the facts. What? My mind is made up, right? My mind is made up, so don't confuse me with the facts because I'm, I'm not going to change, in other words. I'm just, I'm not going to change. And so it's a, it is a very difficult thing to do, even though we see this as being the key, it's really hard sometimes to have that internal change. Well, the good news, and I think the encouraging news is, is this, there are forces that will lead us to repentance. There are forces that will lead to this internal change of mind that will express itself outwardly. And I, there are four that come to my mind, and what I want to do is talk about two of them this week and talk about two of them next week. One of them is sorrow, and that's what this passage is about, and we'll, we'll talk about that next week. But I want to start this week by the, this, the first force that will lead to repentance, lead to a change of mind, I think is truth. And these aren't any particular words, but I think this is really a good place to believe. It is, it is truth. As I have thought about uh, the, the times in my life that I, I could say there's been real repentance going on, um, that there has been an internal change that led to lasting external behavior changes. Uh, there was usually some either new information or more often than not really a new understanding of information and usually coming from the Bible. Usually it was something, it was truth, that I was reading from the Bible, and I, I saw what God was saying, and I said, okay, now here's where I'm at, and here's where I'm at is not what God is saying, and so I've got to get in alignment with God, and, uh, and that's what prompted that. Um, and I can think of, a, of, a, of two or three that, that just stand out that I, you know, I kind of came to this truth, this understanding years ago. Even as a, as a young adult, and they're still with me, you know, 40 or 50 years later, things that I thought, I just, I can't be a disciple of Jesus and be this way because truth <laughs> lies elsewhere. And so I, I've got to make these changes. And I, I think that's, that's um, probably, a, a, I hope anyway, a fairly common experience that you, you're here today, perhaps, 
uh, rather than choosing a different course for your life, one that would be away from God because something in Scripture just resonated with you. And maybe you read it yourself, or maybe it was a brother or sister or a parent or someone else who kind of pointed it out to you, um, and you chose a certain path because of, of that truth that impacted your life. I told you a few weeks ago about um, you know, reading a passage once and it so impacted me that I just I, you know, put the Bible down and stepped away from it. And, and what was going on there was an area where I saw I needed to repent. And it's still with me, you know, it's 30, 30, 40 years later. It's, it's still with me because of some impact that, that truth made upon my life. Um, do, you re, do you remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Um, won't read the whole story. You can go to Luke 16 and, and read that story if you'd like sometime. But, you know, what's going on is, you know, the, there's this rich man and there's Lazarus who's very poor and there are two stations in life and they both die and their circumstances sort of reverse. That um, Lazarus is now in heaven. He's described as being, you know, in the presence of Abraham and Jesus is telling this. It's a parable that he's telling. And Lazarus has gone to hell what is termed as the place of torment. Uh, the rich man, rather, has, has gone to the place of torment. And he's just in misery there. And so they have this conversation where he's saying, you know, send Lazarus with water. And Lazarus, Abraham said, nope, there's this big gulf between us. Can't, can't do that. And then the rich man says that I've got five brothers. And I don't want them to be where I'm at. Um, and so would you, would you do this, this one thing? It's not just for me, but for them. Would you send Lazarus to them so that he can tell them what's going on here so they won't end up here as well? Um, and so um, in, in uh, Luke 16, what he says is, if, if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. This change of mind will happen if, if someone will just from the dead will go and tell them something. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, if, you know, if, if Elvis came, well, Elvis isn't dead, I'm sorry. If, you know, someone, you know, George Washington came back from the grave and said, okay, here's something you need to know now. I think all of us would, if we believed it was George Washington, we, we would really, we'd make those changes. That makes, what he's asking for seems legitimate to me. But what Jesus has Abraham saying is not, well, you know, there's that, you can't do that. There's, you know, that, that won't work. The, the logistics of this is, are, are too great. Here's what he says. Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even if someone rises from the dead. So what Jesus is, or through Abraham, is telling him is that there is more power in the Word of God, Moses and the prophets in this case, there is more power in the Word of God to lead someone to repentance, a change of mind, than if someone came out of the grave with that same message. I mean, this is a force. This is an incredible force that, that will lead us into the directions we need to go. And uh, that's, that's, I think, one of the reasons why I think most of us would agree that one of the characteristics of a fully formed disciple of Jesus is that we are regularly engaging in Scripture. We're, we are regularly engaging in Scripture. I just don't know that our lives are going to be in alignment with God's plans for us without that because that's where those, those plans are expressed. 
And so that's the first force that is powerful enough to lead someone to repentance. And hopefully you have an experience like that. And I hope you'll be in the Word so that you, you can. The second experience is, or the second uh, force rather, is experience. It is experience. And uh, probably you have had a change of mind because of some experience. Um, maybe it was something very minor, like there was a food you didn't think you would like, uh, but then you tried it, and you, man, you love that stuff now. You know, I was at, you know I didn't eat guacamole until about I was about fifty years old. <laughs> this is, I mean, do you want me to leave now or what? You know, I, that stuff looks so nasty. It looks like what hits your windshield, you know. And I, but I tried it one time, and it's great. Love and make guacamole all the time. It was the experience of actually trying it that, uh, that, that led to this change of mind and this, this desire, really, to, to have that. So uh, maybe it was an activity. Oh, I don't like that sort of thing. Uh, but you did it, and lo and behold, you did. Maybe it was a person. You thought you didn't like this person, but you spent a little time with him or her, and you, you lo and behold, you liked them. Maybe you married that person. Uh, once you learned a little bit more about them. So you have, you have had a change of mind on the inside. It's kind of going the other way here. You have had a change of mind that was prompted not just by the experience. There was something within you that made you want to do the experience, and you, you did, and, uh, and, it, and then that kind of uh, reinforced what, you know, what, was, what was going on. Here's the, here's the point. We can go a long time having kind of a seed thought, and never act on it. Uh, we, whether it's a truth we've read in Scripture, it's something that the preacher has said or a friend has said, we can go a long, long time just kind of, well, you know, I really ought to blank. I really ought to change this. I really ought to apologize for this. I really ought to start doing all these behaviors that we need to, need to change. We can, we can go a long, long time but never really get around to doing it. But then many times when we do it, we think, well, why did I wait so long? And maybe you've seen that in relationships that were, that were just, you know, you were at odds with one another, but finally you, somebody apologizes and you're back together and you think, well, why did, why did we take so long? Why did, why did we lose so much time? Um, and so if the, if the seed is in your mind, act on it. And see if that experience won't actually increase the resolve and build within you the change of mind that will sustain that new behavior. We did, there just comes a point in time where we just, we just have to do it. Now, we'll, we'll talk about two more next week. But I, I want to close by maybe talking a little bit about how we can invite these first two forces to begin to work in our lives right now and help us uh, help us experience this alignment with God's will for us. And I, I have a recommendation, a suggestion that I'll make, make for us. Um, but I want to I ask you a question first. And I don't think the suggestion will really make much of an impact without first answering this question. And it may not be a question we can answer fully right now, but I hope it's a question with which we will engage a lot this week. Uh, I love what, um, I think it's the fourth or fifth 
um, kind of principle of, of AA is that you know we, we did a fearless and searching moral inventory of our lives. And I think that's the attitude with which we, we need to approach this question. Some fearlessness and some, some real searching. And it's a question that you know, probably every year in my ministry I have asked of myself and of others. And the question is this, when was the last time you made a significant change in your life because of something you read in the Bible? When was the last time you made a significant adjustment in your life because of something you read in the Bible? We probably read our Bibles a lot. Um, what adjustments have you made as a result of that? Now, uh, if, I, if I say, you know, I don't know if I've ever really done that, or uh, maybe it's been a long, long time, um, we need to be open to that. That we don't want to be like those people that James describes who read the Bible and just kind of, well, that's good. You know, it's like looking in a mirror and not doing anything about what you see when you look in that mirror. Um, is the Bible, is truth really having that kind of impact where it is doing something for us. Um, and I just, I just think that's, that's the question that we really have to grapple with. And if, if we're ready to do that, if, if we're, okay, I'm, I'm open to that now, I'm, I'm open to letting Scripture have that kind of authority in my life, then, then I think we're ready for the suggestion. And this, this is not profound. <laughs> it's, it's not deep. Uh, but I think it's truth. And it's simply, read the Bible and do what it says. <laughs> this is kind of the everything I really needed to know. I learned in kindergarten, you know, spiritually. Just read the Bible and do what it says. Uh, now, it may be that I read something and it doesn't call for any action. Uh, it's just part of God's story and it just leads to a deeper understanding of what God's doing in this world. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy for that. And I, but, but, but there are many times when... Scripture does call for some type of response, some, some type of, of action. Um, and I, I think when the Holy Spirit makes that clear to us, that we need to take the next step. And we don't have to maybe figure everything out and do everything, you know, right at this point, but we, we do the next right thing. We take that next step. You know, when it, when it came time for Jesus to... Uh, invite people into his circle. Uh, when it came time for him to say, you know, if you want to, want to be my disciple, you know, he didn't, um, he didn't send out flyers saying, we're going to have a Bible study under this big tree on Monday, Mondays at noon, you know, bring a fish and some bread and, and we'll, we'll study together. And he didn't really take people through a process, or he did, but not a, not a you know, a, a teaching kind of deal where, uh, now you can see that I am the Son of God, and now you're ready to be my disciple. He took people who had some inkling, just, just some inkling of who he was, and he said, all right, now act on that. Just, just follow me. Just follow me. Do you realize that if you've read just one of the Gospels, you already know so much more than anybody who physically followed Jesus on the days he was on earth. You, you know more than they did when they decided to follow him, when they took that next step for them. You know who he is 
You, you know where he came from. You know everything about his life that's been recorded. You know the end of the story. All of us, if we read just one gospel, know so much more than Peter knew and James knew and John knew. They had some inkling. They, they had, he had said something. They'd heard something about him. But what he said was, all right, let's take the next step. And that next step is just to follow. Just follow. Just, just put into action something based upon the truths you already know. So, so as you read through the Bible, um, and the Holy Spirit puts something on your mind, and maybe it's a, a moment where you back away from Scripture. Maybe it's a moment where you just say, I, I need to think about that some more. Uh, just, just act on that. And see if that doesn't confirm this is the right thing to do. See if it doesn't lead to better alignment with God and a better life for you. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for um, all that Jesus has done and for the example and the calling that he gave us. And we really do want our lives to be aligned with your will for us. And I pray that just these two forces that we talked about this morning, just, um, just being open to truth, searching for truth, and when we see it, to act upon it, and, and that those experiences will just reinforce that we're on the right path. Uh, thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for all the people who've shared truth with us over the years, um, and may it continue to, uh, to lead us to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.